This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Jeff Schechter. Thanks for being on the show, Jeff. Thank you for having me, Whitney. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to get into this conversation. And Jeff, Jeff started his first business right out of college and over the years been involved in numerous business ventures. His love for real estate investing beginning in the 1980s when he rehabbed five of his own residences before the term house hacking even existed. Since those early days of torn up kitchens and bathrooms, he's bought and sold many properties and is an active investor to this day. In addition to investing, he operates a private consulting practice. He thrives on helping people realize their full potential not just in business and investing, but in all aspects of life. So Jeff, you know, give the listeners a little more about just what you're doing right now, your background, maybe in real estate and your focus right now. And then, you know, I loved what you mentioned before the show about improper systems will keep things broken or from happening. I'd love to dig into that a little bit, but go ahead and tell the listeners a little more about who you are. Yeah, sure. So Obviously, by that, thank you for the nice intro. And in there, you know, we talked a little bit about house hacking. And you know, I've been a pretty scrappy guy and an entrepreneur my whole life. And in the probably between the 2002 to 2008 period, I also had a flipping business. So among other things, I kind of eventually graduated from just house hacking into actual flipping. We all know what happened in 08 and started over. And at that time, I was very curious about internet marketing and moved to Austin, Texas. I was living in San Antonio and there's a great digital marketing community there. And I got very involved in all that stuff. And that's ultimately through some consulting, how I met my current partner. He was actually buying some properties in Indianapolis and getting some pretty good returns. And we started learning about this concept called turnkey which I had actually, even though I was involved in real estate, had never really heard about before. And I gave him some marketing advice that apparently that he really liked and invited me to become his business partner. So today I now live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we operate a very, very successful turnkey company. And for those of you who don't know what that is, is basically we just provide an end-to-end system for investors. So, you know, we acquire the property, we rehab to certain standards, we have our own property management team, we place the tenant, we get it, you know, performing, cash flowing, and then and only then do we sell it off to investors as a performing asset. So that's kind of what I'm up to now. And it's been a challenging start, but we're very excited about where we are now because we've finally got a pretty decent and successful company. Nice. What I appreciated too, like before we started recording, was just how you mentioned the the key to your success has been in systems. You know, and I'd love for us to get into that and you elaborate on on these systems that have helped you be, to be successful. It, whether it's syndication, whether whatever type of real estate or any business, really, you got to have some systems in place if you plan to grow, right? And so let's dig into that and please elaborate. Well, there are about 10,000 examples that I can give you, but I can tell you where it starts is from really making some really, really stupid mistakes. And some of them were really, really big devastatingly financial mistakes. And it started with the question, obviously, how can we keep this? How can we prevent this from happening again? Because otherwise, we're not going to have a business. 
I mean, there, there were just really, really big, stupid mistakes. So when we first started our company, we'd just go out and find a property and we would actually rehab it while it was owned with the investor. Like our logic was that, hey, you know, if we sell to the investor shortly after we purchase, we kind of eliminate our hold times and our hold costs. But then what happens is we run into mistakes and we run into surprises on rehabs and things like that. And then we're already in bed with the investor and there's ourselves here in Indianapolis, an investor maybe somewhere in California helping to make the decisions. So, you know, it's a classic case of too many cooks spoil the pot, right? So then from there, we'd get the thing finished and sometimes it would be a few days, sometimes it'd be a few weeks and sometimes it would be a few months until that property got leased out. And the entire time, of course, the investor is freaking out going, you know, where's my cash flow? Where's my cash flow? So, you know, when we finally started recognizing like, okay, the money that we're saving on hold costs by selling it early is absolutely not worth it. And we made a decision to say, we are only going to sell properties after they're done being rehabbed. Once we know exactly what our costs were, all that kind of stuff, we can make a fair profit. We can get to some fair numbers for the investor. It puts us on the hook to make sure that the end price is obviously something that's attractive to the end investor from an ROI standpoint. So it puts the responsibility on us. We then were still selling properties that weren't quite tenanted and ran into that whole issue with investors waiting for stuff to be cash flowing. So ultimately, even though, again, it increased our hold times, we went to a situation where the only properties that we would sell were after they were performing and stabilized and things like that. So, you know, those were some pretty key decisions in our evolution. And the other one that was probably the biggest one And this doesn't matter whether you're in syndication buying one property 500 or the tallest skyscraper in the world, but unless you have a property, there's only only two things that equate to success in a real estate investment. One is you got to have a property that's in good condition. Secondly, you have to have a happy tenant. Because if either one of those is out of whack, you are going to have problems and you're going to have expenses that are beyond what you had anticipated. So you have to start from there in any project. And dude, I see a lot of even syndication products that don't start that way. And it's unfortunate where they're, you know, the building that they're getting into is not necessarily rehab and they don't necessarily have the right marketing for the right tenant. And it's not maybe necessarily the right use of that building. There's lots of different ways that that can go awry. So those two things you have to start. So we started looking at, we offer a warranty on our property and you know, it's all the major systems, you know, obviously roof and HVAC and foundation and electrical plumbing, et cetera. And as soon as we all know this, as soon as tenants start getting into properties, whether they're commercial tenants or residential tenants, they're going to put that property to the stress test, right? They're going to test the plumbing. They're going to test the electric there. You know, if the roof's going to leak, it's probably not going to leak the day before they move in. It's going to start leaking ironically the day right after they move in. Right. So we were on the hook for all these warranty issues. So in addition to doing this rehab, now we're having to come back and start fixing properties that we thought we already fixed them. So the, probably the biggest system that we ever put in place was we really, really got our, rehabs dialed in. 
So we said, hey, look, we're, when we go acquire the property, you know, we have some pretty good teams and you know, we use some internal teams and some external teams for the contracting. But what can we do in terms of a third party out there that might be able to tell us the condition of the property? We thought, hey, why don't we do an inspection up front? Let's just pay some impartial third-party company. What's it going to cost us? Three, $400 to go and find out exactly what's wrong with this structure. Then we go and we send our teams and we've developed a 41-point checklist. So we check everything and subflooring and, you know, are the toilets on straight and, you know, is the, you know, stress test of the plumbing. And obviously we turn all the utilities on first. Our guest is Sakar Kali. Thanks for being on the show, Sakar. Awesome. Thank you, Whitney. I appreciate the invite and looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about value add just a little bit. You know, it's a term that we hear often, you know, in this industry and value add deals. And, you know, those types of deals made a lot of success for a lot of operators over the last many years. You're very familiar with value add. And you all have been doing that. What's your take on, say, value add, you know, now value add deals? I mean, finding, completing that type of business plan now today as opposed to say you know five years ago value add gets interesting right so for newer folks who may not know there's a huge difference between a value add versus capital improvements like value add would be you'll say okay you're adding amenities like perhaps it's washer dryers amazon based lockers or you know you're probably offering you know some it's a water-based conservation program and things like that but the other things as far as the roofs, the windows, or perhaps the expensive siding or the expensive, you know, let's say some of the landscaping or, you know, sort of the curb appeals and things, they, they, they start to get expensive, right? That's where you have to differ. Like, for example, if we take the pandemic out of the context for a second, last, you know, several years have been very much forgiving to investors where we had record appreciation, you had markets going up and things like that. So you had a, a sort of a situation where a lot of mistakes or perhaps some things that you would have missed during your initial underwriting, you were forgiven by the market. But now we are in a situation where I think you have to accurately under, underwrite the deals, accurately understand that, yes, what exactly the value add improvements we are doing or what could be the capital improvements that are definitely needed in our business plan to get where we need to be, right? So that's where you have to distinguish that it's not a forgiving environment as we have had before in the prior years. Now it's all about let's get our budgets right. Let's make sure we are taking the estimates correctly from, let's say, the contractors or let's network with a few more property managers and understand how the assets will perform, what sort of rent bumps, if any, you are seeing. So you are not banking on, like, let's say, the market or the tailwind concept as we keep talking about that the markets and the rent appreciation that you might get it's not there so it's all about you know making sure your underwriting is correct your budgets are accurate and you're not overly aggressive in your assumption that's what i would say it kind of dovetails into a lot more bigger issues that it's it's not about hey can i apply the paint and can i you know maybe do a little bit of landscaping it's 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 a whole lot given the you know the pandemic and all the headwinds we have given with the rent decreases we may see right so it's all about you know making sure that all of those things are correctly accounted for in your underwriting otherwise you could be working for free in your syndication partnership that you would have and not see that many good returns. But that's the world we live in right now. 
Yes. No, that's, you mentioned so many great things there. And one thing I wanted to ask you, you said you must, uh, you must accurately underwrite deals now and understand your value. That is so true. Uh, you know, we thought we needed to know that all this time, but, but we understand now. I mean, it's so much more even crucial. You mentioned, you know, things were forgiven then just because the market. You know, if you could pick two to three things when you think of underwriting accurately now, nailing that down even more accurately than we did, you know, say a few years ago, what would that be? Or, you know, what are some things that you focus more on now? Sure, sure, sure. I think right off the top, as you are, let's say, underwriting the deals, I think networking with property managers, in my opinion, is a great way to understand that how the property will operate, right? And that means that is the property management companies that you are working with, are they giving you realistic budgets? Like, are they going to perhaps charge you a bunch of fees or perhaps are they going to charge you a lot more over it on top of like, let's say if you're doing some value add improvements or leasing and things like that, are they going to, you know, charge you more fees? So that would be one bucket I would look at, right? on a consistent value-add basis, like water savings always play a great role to your bottom line. Like without doing much, if you can change and do the water conservations and save some energy, that goes right back to your NOI. We have seen uh, water savings programs give you returns in that like sort of around 15 months. So let's say if you're spending X dollars, you through the savings, you see that, yes, you're going to break even around within 15 months or so those are the quick few things and then you know obviously like let's say if if you're buying a tired property quick landscaping improvements and instead of doing expensive retards on your driveways and things like that if you can just seal coat and get by those would be good improvements so anything that you can do for a less dollar whether that's just you know, let's say power washing your siding to, you know, kind of get by first, let's say 24 months or so immediately before you can go into an expensive, uh, you know, let's say repainting or re-changing the entire of your siding. So anything that you can do perhaps to kind of weather the storm right now and then see how things come out. And then after like, let's say 24, 18 to 24 months, you want to revisit and say that, okay, now I'm going to jump on some of the expensive CapEx improvements that I have to do. So all those things should be on the table to kind of get by right now and then perhaps launch into perhaps a full-scale CapEx plan that you may have had. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 